Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And a couple months later, and a few hours later, no, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. We say amen to the reading of the word this morning. I was, I was laughing with a, a friend of mine a couple weeks ago at a youth rally. We were uh, talking about preachers and their long titles. And I told him, I said, you know, bro, I, I actually have a gift for short titles. I just choose not to exercise it. And, and he thought that was funny because he knows I don't exercise it. But we're going to change that this morning. I, I want to preach to you from one very simple and powerful word today. I want to preach to you with the help of the Lord about heaven. I don't know about you, but that's somewhere I want to go. I want to preach today about heaven. Would you put your Bibles down and would you lift your hands to the Lord? And let's ask him to speak in this place this morning. Oh God, I pray that you would anoint the word as it goes forth today. I know that the seed of your word is always good. But Lord, I pray that you would prepare some hearts in this room today to receive your word. Lord, let your word accomplish what you have sent it to accomplish today. Lord, let it take root and bring fruit in our lives. And we will give you the glory and the honor for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Would somebody lift up a hand clap unto the Lord this morning. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. You may be seated in the name of Jesus. There is a question that has plagued the mind of humanity for thousands of years. It's, it's a question that we, we seem to not be able to get off our mind. It's a very simple question. The question has had scholars who have argued about it. Philosophers have debated over it. A lot of people smarter than I have tried to figure out exactly how it's going to happen. But the question that we can't seem to get off our minds is what happens next? After I take my last breath, after I close my eyes for the last time, what happens next? Now there's some people in this world that would try to convince you today that nothing happens next. There's people that would try to convince you that when you close your eyes for the last time and you take your final breath, that nothing comes after that. That you just will fade off into nothingness. And we wonder why depression is so rampant in our society. 
We wonder why people struggle to find meaning and why people struggle to find purpose in their life. And all the while they are fed this narrative that they're just here by accident. That there's no reason for you to be here. There's nothing that's going to happen when you're no longer here. There's no purpose for your life and there's no purpose in your life and there is no purpose for you. I want to tell you this morning that nothing good can come from believing that narrative. Nothing good is going to come in your life by allowing yourself to believe those lies. But I've come to this place this morning to remind somebody that you are not here by accident. I've come to preach to you about an alternate narrative. You need to know that you are not in this place by accident this morning. But the same God that created the heaven and the earth is the same God that created you. And the same God that put the sun and the moon and the stars in the sky is the same God that breathed breath into your life. And that same God wrote himself in flesh and he died for your sins the world wants you to think that your life doesn't mean anything but I need you to know today that Jesus thought you meant so much that he gave himself for you that's how much your life means your life means so much to the God that created earth and the God that created heaven that he stepped out of heaven and he robed himself in flesh for you that's how much you mean to God. And the story doesn't end there either. Because the same God that created you and the same God that put breath in your lungs, that same Jesus, he looked over to his disciples in John chapter 14. And he said, don't be troubled. If you believe in my Father, believe also in me. Verse number 2, John 14 and 2, he said, In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. Church family, this is not the last world you're going to see. But God right now is preparing a place that where he is, you may be also. And the same God that created earth is the same God that created heaven, and he wants you to be there. Oh, that place, it's not like anything you've ever seen down here. No, the Bible said that the streets are of gold so pure it's like clear glass. said that the walls are like jasper. The gates are of pearl. You've never seen anything like it in your life. John recorded it like this in Revelation chapter 21. He said, when we get there, there will be no more tears. For God himself shall wipe the tears away from our eyes. There's not going to be any sorrow there. There's not going to be any pain there. There's not going to be any trials there. There won't be tribulation there. But what will be there will be the goodness of the almighty God. Oh, it's a place that I want to go. The great English writer, John Milton, in his masterpiece epic, Paradise Lost, he tried to figure out how to describe this place. He tried to put words to this place that we call heaven. And the only thing he seemed to be able to muster can be found in book 12. He said, oh goodness infinite, goodness immense. Everywhere you look, it's goodness. Everywhere you step, it's in the goodness of God. Every time you look around, all you can see is goodness. It's goodness infinite. It's goodness immense. He went on to say that the multitude of angels with a shout, loud as from numbers without number, sweet as from blessed voices 
uttering joy. Heaven run with jubilee and loud hosannas filled the eternal regions. I don't know about you this morning, but I want to be there and hear the hosannas for myself. I want to hear the angels that cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and which is to come. I'm glad to read about it. I'm glad to hear about it. But church family, I want to hear it for myself. Somebody shout heaven. Oh, it's going to be magnificent. Oh, it's going to be magnificent. But i got to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know if I'll even stop to appreciate the gold streets. I don't know if I'll even notice that the walls are made out of pearl and jasper and the gates are the most beautiful thing. I don't know that I'll even have time to notice it. Because when I finally step into that city whose builder and maker is God, I'm not looking for pavement and I'm not looking for walls. I've seen pavement and I've seen walls. But I'll tell you what I'm going to be looking for. My eyes are going to be looking for the one who sits on the throne. I'm going to be looking for the God that died for me. I'm going to run to that throne and cast my crown before him and cry, Hosanna, you are my Savior. Oh, I'm going to see Jesus. Yes, Shatara. But church family, I feel the weight of responsibility on my shoulders this morning. I feel the weight of responsibility today to tell somebody, to remind somebody in this room that heaven is not inevitable. There's a lot of people who live their lives as if that were true. There's a lot of people who lives, live their lives like it doesn't matter where they go. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what they prioritize. It doesn't matter how they live. Whenever they pass on from this life, they're going to be in a better place. And oh, you are looking at a man this morning that wishes with every fiber of my being that that were true. I wish that I could personally take every single person in this room to heaven. I wish I could personally take every lost soul in this city to heaven. But I, I'm sorry to report to you today that I neither have the ability or the authority to do that. All I can do is get up on a Sunday morning and remind you that heaven is real, but also so is hell. And if you want to make heaven your home, there's going to be some things you've got to prioritize today. There's some decisions you're going to have to make today. You can't afford to wait till retirement to think about heaven. You can't afford to wait till your house is in order to be faithful to God. You can't afford to wait till your finances are in order to be faithful to the kingdom. No, no, no. If you want to make heaven in your home you've got to start making some decisions today you can't afford to put this off you can't afford to wait until a more convenient time. There might not be a more convenient time for you. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this. There's never going to be a time like right now to make up your mind that I will do whatever it takes to make heaven my home. I will do whatever it takes to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Mamas and daddies, can, can I tell you this morning that you... You cannot afford to wait until your baby has been battered and bruised by this world to start telling them about Jesus. 
You can't afford to wait until your child turns 18 to ask them whether or not they want to live for the Lord. No, no, you've got to distill something in their spirit from the moment they enter this world. When my precious baby comes into this world, the first thing that they are going to hear is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy might. There is only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all I'm not waiting till they turn 18 no 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 they're gonna know from the day they enter this world and well if if you didn't know if you've been living under a rock now you know baby fry come in November 2023 Take that, devil. I, I know I'm in the middle of a sermon right now, but can I take a commercial break and remind somebody that the devil's still a liar? Everything he's ever told you has been a lie. Everything he will ever tell you, it's a lie too. Everything he's trying to speak in your life right now, it's a lie because he speaks of his own, for he is a liar. That old ugly dead is a, a devil is a liar from the top of his head to the sole of his ugly feet. He tried to convince me and my precious wife that we would never see a second trimester. Take that devil. Look what the Lord has done. I'm telling you, he's still a miracle worker. He's still a way maker. He's still able. He is still God Almighty. Yes, shut up. No, the devil never, he never misses a chance to try and discourage somebody. You know that? He's always looking for an opportunity to try and sow some discouragement into your life. In 2021, when, when we lost our first pregnancy, that old devil came up and he tried to start speaking. He said, oh, you've been faithful to God all your life and now look what it's got you. I said, hold that thought. My God's not done yet. <laughs> hold that thought. God's not done yet. And in 2022, when we lost our second pregnancy, the devil came back again. He said, oh, I thought you said your God wasn't done yet. Maybe, maybe he just does it for other people, but he won't do it for you. I said, well, hold, the, hold that thought, stupid. God's not, God's not done yet. Can I tell you what I learned in that season of my life? I, I learned the power of what the psalmist recorded in Psalm 118 in verse number 1. When he said, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. He's always good. Even when he doesn't answer the prayers the way I wanted him to answer them. Even when he doesn't answer when I wanted him to answer it. He is always good. Even when life's bad, my God is good. Even when your job is bad, God is good. Even when your marriage is rocky, God is still good. Even when everything around you is falling apart, God is still good. Yes, shut up. I want to encourage somebody in the Holy Ghost today. I don't care how many times the doctors have told you to give up. I don't care how many times they've turned you away. I don't care how many times the devil has said it was impossible. With my God, all things are possible. If you believe in somebody, shout yes. 
I still believe he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ever ask or think. He is able. I don't want to be, I got, I got a sermon to preach. We got a giant title up there and everything. But. Okay, I don't want to be too transparent, but can I tell you what we did in that season of our lives? We kept paying our tithes. We kept showing up to church. We kept giving the missions. We kept being faithful to the house of God. And we kept believing that God was able to do exactly what he said he was going to do. I'm just telling you, I know it works because God is faithful. You can't outgive God. You cannot maneuver God. He is able. He is a record keeper. He sees where you are. Don't give up yet because God will come through. I know pastors preaches against being vindictive. He says you can have the victory or you can be vindictive. But sometimes I just... I like to remind him that he is not the head. He is the tail. He is beneath your feet. Somebody shout heaven. Welcome back to your regularly scheduled programming. You can look all throughout the Old Testament from from Genesis to Malachi. and You'll find that heaven is always described as something that is up there. The domain of man is something described early on in Genesis as that which is beneath the heavens. Heaven is up there, but we are, we're down here. We didn't have access to heaven. We couldn't grab a hold of heaven. We couldn't, we couldn't get our hands on it. The, the very first civilization that ever lived on this earth, they knew that fact all too well. The Bible says that at that time, that all of mankind was of one speech and one language. And that they were dwelling in a plain of a land called Shinar. And they said, go to, let us make brick and clay. Let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. It was up there and they didn't have access to it. And the one thing man wanted was to have access to heaven. But it's the one thing that we did not have access to. You could look up to it, but you couldn't get to it. The Lord spoke to Abram. He said, Abram, I want you to look up. Look into the stars of the sky. Look up into the heavens, Abram. Can you count the stars? Do you know the, the sand that's on the shores? Because that's what your promise is going to be like. That's what I'm going to do for you. Look up to the heavens, Abram. It, heaven was something you could look to, but you couldn't go to. And because we couldn't access it, Man started worshiping the things in the heavens. They started worshiping the sun and the moon and the stars. And God took that pretty seriously because he sent a swift admonishment to Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. He said, Moses, you better take heed to yourself. Deuteronomy chapter 4, 15. He said, take ye therefore good heed to yourselves. Verse number 19. Lest thou lift up your eyes unto heaven. And when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the host of heaven, that you should be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. It's easy to start worshiping things that we don't have access to. 
He said, you, got, you better watch out. You better watch out, Moses, because there's only one God that you're supposed to worship. You can look to heaven, but, but be careful. Make sure that you're worshiping the God who created heaven. For 4,000 years of human history, we could look at the heavens. We could talk about the heavens. We could dream of the heavens, but we had no access to it. The angels went up and down Jacob's ladder, but Jacob, his feet never left the ground. He, he, he couldn't go up there, but he could watch all the activity going on. And I can't help but wonder if Jacob just longed in his heart to walk up that ladder and step into heaven. We couldn't get it. We, we couldn't have access to it. And that was the end of the story until Jesus. Now that sentence right there could describe a lot of people in this place this morning. You were an alcoholic and that was the end of your story until Jesus. You were bound by drugs and addiction and you were going to live the rest of your life strung out and broken and despaired. And that was the end of your story until Jesus. Because Jesus has a habit of changing things when he steps off to the scene. And Jesus... For 4,000 years, we couldn't have access to heaven. But when Jesus shows up, he, he starts preaching this strange new message. He said, repent, Matthew 4 and 17, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The disciples sit there scratching their head. They say, did he say it was at hand? I, I, I think he did. He, he knows heaven's up there, right? And my, I mean, I've got long arms, but they ain't that long. What, what did he mean by it's at hand? Another translation says it like this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. What's he, what's he talking about? I have no idea. You go a couple more chapters and the disciples, they come to Jesus. And they say, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Matthew chapter 6. He said, yeah, I'll teach you how to pray. When you pray, pray after this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven... That makes sense. God's up there. We're down here. We're with you. Hallowed be thy name. We're with you. Hallowed be his name. Thy kingdom come. Gee, does he know heaven's up there? And we're down here. Jesus was trying to rewire something in their hearts as he began to teach and he began to preach. He said, listen, now you need to know that heaven is up there. But I want you to know that heaven is coming to where you are. Because God's will is going to be done not just in heaven, but it's going to be done in earth as it is in heaven. He looked at his disciples later in the book of Matthew and he said, some of you aren't even going to taste death until you see God's kingdom come. So I, don't, I don't understand how that's going to work, Jesus, because... All I've ever been told all my life is that you can't see heaven until you pass on from this world. You can't see heaven until you die and move on from this world. And I want to tell you that Jesus, he did. It is true. Jesus spent time in his ministry talking and preaching and describing the heaven that you and I can go to. But I want you to know that Jesus took time out of his ministry here on the earth to let us know that heaven wasn't just something you're going to go to, but heaven is something that was coming to you. For 4,000 years, you couldn't access it. You couldn't get to it until Jesus showed up. And he said, it's going to come to you. For the first time in human history, heaven was coming to earth. So the question remains, what is this heaven? 
Well, if you go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 6 in our opening text, the Bible said that there was waters. And God said it's not good for all these waters to be together. So God divided the waters and he created a firmament between them. He separated the lower waters from the upper waters. He separated the lower domain from the upper domain. This is the same language that Ezekiel uses in Ezekiel chapter 44 when he said that God has put a separation between the profane and the holy, between the clean and the unclean. He has created this firmament to divide the waters. I need two helpers. Come up here. One Nephilim and one growing Nephilim. Come on. Get up here. He said there's all these waters, but I'm going to have to do something to divide them because it's not good for them to be together. So he created... No, you stay. You stay. You come here. He created you. Face that way. You face this way. My Lord, we are doing good. Don't they look heavenly? Yeah. He said, I've got to divide these waters. I've got to divide the, the lower waters from the, from the upper waters. So he creates a firmament and he calls it heaven. What is heaven? Heaven is the place that divides the lower waters from the upper waters. You with me? All throughout scripture, waters are referred to with both life and with death. James asks this question in James chapter 3 and verse number 11. He says, can a fountain bring forth both sweet water and and bitter water. There's sweet water that brings life, and there's bitter water that brings death. There's the stagnant water of the Dead Sea, where there is no life, there is no hope, there is no joy, there is no peace. But then there's some waters that Jesus talked about when he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. You know what Jesus was doing? He said it's not good for darkness and light to be together. It's not, it's not good for hopelessness and joy to be together. I'm going to put a firmament in between them and separate the domain of darkness and death from the domain of life and light. Are you with me? You can't miss this part right here because if you miss this, you are going to be lost the rest of the time. If you are over here in the domain of darkness... And you want to get to the domain of light. It is possible. It is possible to leave the domain of death and enter the domain of life. But the only way to do it is you are going to have to pass through heaven. The only way to leave darkness and enter light is you're going to have to pass through the firmament called heaven. I'm trying to tell somebody this morning that you don't have to live the rest of your life in darkness. You don't have to live the rest of your life battling that depression. You don't have to live the rest of your life stumbling in the dark and and battling the same old devils over and over again. There is a way to have new life, but the only way to do it is to pass through heaven. Somebody shout heaven. We still haven't answered the question, Brother LG. What is heaven? What? Did you see the fear of God sweep over him right there? I love those moments. I'm sorry. I still love you. What is heaven? The sages, they, the rabbis, Bible scholars of old, they asked that question. What, what is this firmament made out of other than strong, good-looking men? What, what is this firmament made out of? He said, well, it's, it's, y'all are laughing too hard at that one. They are good looking, huh? What's it made out of? They said, well, it's very simple. All you have to do is look at the word. 
If you find what the word is made out of, you will know what heaven is made out of. Now, I told you this morning that I was preaching from one word, and that's technically true. But also technically it's kind of not true. Because heaven, the Hebrew word is shamaim. That's what that little gold scripty looking thing is up there that you can't hardly read. We need a better designer. I'm the designer, by the way. <laughs> shamaim. Everybody say shamaim. Y'all are Hebrew scholars. Praise God. He says shamaim is actually two words. That's why I got two of you. It's the pieces are coming together now, aren't they? You stand here. You don't move. Shamaim. He said there's two words that make up this word heaven. You got Shah? Shah. Maim. Maim. You put them together, you have? Shamaim. Yeah, it's close enough. Put them together, you have Shamaim. Sham. The first part of that word comes from the Hebrew word esh, which means fire. Maim is the Hebrew word for water. Can I tell to you like this? If you want to leave the domain of darkness, and you want to leave your old life of death behind, and you want to walk in newness of life, the only way you're going to be able to do it is if you pass through the water and the fire. You can have new life, but you're going to have to pass through the water and the fire. A man by the name of Nicodemus came to Jesus by cover of night in John chapter 3. And he said, good master, we know that none can do what you do lest he be sent by God. And Jesus said to him, you must be born again. And he he got all confused. I, I don't understand what that means. Can a man enter his mother's womb a second time? And Jesus said, buddy, we're not even talking about the same thing. What is of the flesh is of the flesh. But what is of the spirit is of the spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. You don't have to have that old life. You don't have to have the old struggles. You don't have to keep battling it for the rest of your life. But there's only one way to escape it. You've got to pass through the water and the fire. You can't go around it. You can't climb over it. You can't dig under it. Somebody say, through it. How are we on time? Not good. I'm hurrying, hurrying. As Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, I can only imagine that they could hear the faint wailings and cries of the mothers back in that land that was holding their firstborn sons They had left the domain of death behind them. And they were leaving Egypt. They weren't going to stay in that slavery anymore. They they weren't going to stay in that bondage anymore. But they could still hear the domain of death behind them. And the Bible says that they came up to this great body of water. Moses is looking at it. And and all the Israelites are packing in behind him. Everybody's trying to figure out, Moses, what do we do now? And somebody from the crowd shouts out, Moses, let's just go around it. Well, it's not that far, Moses. We, we can just walk around it. And Moses shakes his head. He says, no, I don't think we can go around it. They said, come on, Moses. Let's, if we just get going, it's going to be okay. Let, let's just go around it. And Moses says, no, we can't go around it. We must go through it. Wouldn't it be so much easier? Because I don't see any boats. Wouldn't it be so much easier if we just went around it? Moses says, you want to know why we've got to go through it? Look behind you. You see that army? You see Pharaoh's army? That's your old life of slavery that is coming to catch up with you. That's your old life of bondage that is right behind you. And if you try to go around this water, they're going to follow you right around it. 
If you try and go over the water, that they're just going to come over the bridge with you. If you try and go under it and you dig a tunnel, your enemy's just going to fall you right under the tunnel. No, no, no. You need to understand God didn't just bring you out of Egypt to die. He brought you out of Egypt and he wants to make sure that Egypt can't follow you out. It's not enough just to leave Egypt. I want Egypt to make sure they can't ever follow me another step, another day of my life. And Moses looked at him, Exodus 14 and 13. He said, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. You need to know that the same waters that are going to bring you to new life is going to be the same waters that God is going to use to destroy the enemy behind you. The same thing that brings you to life and hope and joy. God is going to use it to bury your enemy underneath the water. Death can't follow you through the water. Sickness can't follow you through the water. Demons can't follow you through the water. Depression can't survive the water. You must go through the water. Can I tell you today why it is not an option to be baptized in the name of Jesus? Because if you try any other way, your old life is going to be right there behind you. If you try this Jesus thing without the water thing, you're going to fight the same old demons and the same old trials and the same old struggles. But when you go through the water, they can't follow you. No, I... I've got a theory that I've been working on, and I don't, I don't know if, I, if I'm strong enough on this to call it a doctrine, but I've got a good theory. Brother Gil, correct me if I'm wrong. You, you've read a lot more things than I have. But in all of my studies, I have never seen an amphibious devil. I've got a theory. I don't think devils can swim. Because Jesus was walking past the graveyard in Matthew chapter 8. And those two possessed of the devils, they cried out. They said, have you come to torment us before the time? And he just kind of gave them the good little look. Like, you know what's about to happen. They said, well, at least if you're going to cast us out, at least let us go into the swine. And I love this. Matthew 8, 32. Jesus doesn't have to say a lot of words. He just says one word. He says, go. And they came out. And what, oh, I love this. Watch this. And they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And they perished in the water. I told you, devils can't swim. And Moses is standing there at the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14 and verse number 23. And the Egyptians pursued. And they went in after them to the midst of the sea. Even all. Somebody say all. All of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Verse 27. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea. And the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots. It covered the horsemen. It covered the host of Pharaoh that came in the sea after them. And there remained not so much as one of them. 
say, preacher, I don't know if this baptism stuff is necessary. Oh, let me tell you, there is no other way. There is no other way to leave your old life. There is no other way for every devil that has tormented you to die than to go through the water. There's a reason we don't sprinkle at this church. Devils aren't afraid of April showers. And there's a reason that if we're baptizing you and your knee pops up, sorry, Jack, we're going to have to put that knee under the water because I don't want no devil holding on to your kneecap. But when you go under the water and under the blood in the name of Jesus, every devil that falls you in there, it has to stay there. Every sickness and disease, every depression, every anxiety, every torment, every struggle, every helplessness, every hopelessness, it stays in the water. You must pass through the water. If you believe it, somebody shout yes. I still believe that it is the only way to pass from the domain of darkness into the domain of light. You can try this Jesus thing. You can, you can say you're going to go to church and you can say you're, you're going to live for Jesus. But if you don't go through the water, you're going to have an awful hard time. Because that same old enemy is going to be right behind you every step of the way. But thank God for the water. And that's not even the end of the story because heaven is water and fire. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. John said it like this in Luke chapter 3 and verse 16. He said to them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier then I is coming. The latch of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. And he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. See, you've got to pass through the water because the water is what buries the old life. The water is what buries the old struggles and the old demons. But you need to know today that God's will for your life is not for you to have the same life minus the devil's. He doesn't want you to have the same old life just minus the depression. Oh, he'll take care of that. But the next thing he wants to do is fill you with his spirit and bring you into the newness of life. Because with the Holy Ghost comes joy. With the Holy Ghost comes peace. With the Holy Ghost comes strength. With the Holy Ghost, you are inducted into the domain of life. But, but how will I know if I've received the Holy Ghost? Oh, that one's easy. You'll know exactly the same way everybody else in your Bible knew that they received the Holy Ghost. You will speak with other tongues. You're going to be standing up at an altar with your hands lifted to heaven. And something's going to come over you. You won't know what it is. You won't know how to control it. You won't know how to do it. But a new work is going to start in you. And that is the spirit of the almighty God. In Acts chapter 11 they asked Peter. They said how do you know? That God has given the Holy Ghost to the Gentiles. Prove it. Who are you to tell us that God would do such a thing? Who are you to give it to them? Peter said, I didn't give it to them. God gave them the same Holy Ghost that he gave to us. He said, how do you know? Prove it. 
He said, oh, it's easy. I heard them speak with other tongues. I'm telling you today that if you've been through the water, but you've not received the fire yet, it's time to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because I'm glad the old life is dead, but now you need the newness of life. You must pass through the water and the fire. I've come to preach to somebody in this house this morning who is tired of struggling in the domain of darkness. You're tired of fighting the same old battles. You're tired of fighting the same old devils. You're tired of fighting the same old addiction. You're tired of going through day after day wondering if anything is ever going to change. I've come to tell you that there is a better life and that there is a better way. And you can have it before you leave this house this morning. But to get it, you must pass through the water and the fire and when you get it when you pass through it you better watch out because everybody's going to know because when you go back to your family you're not going back by yourself you're bringing a little bit of heaven with you when you go back to your workplace you're not walking into that office the same old you anymore but you're bringing heaven with you when you walk down the halls of your school it's not just you anymore but now you are bringing heaven with you heaven is coming to earth as musicians begin to make their way this morning i want you to know that these altars are wide open you don't have to keep living in the same old struggles you don't have to keep living under the same old trials god is bringing you to a place today you are at a moment of decision where you can choose to step out of the old domain of darkness you can step out of that old domain of death and you can have newness of life. Peter said it like this in the book of Acts. He said, if you want this promise that I'm talking to you about, he said, you're going to have to repent of your sins. You're going to have to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. And then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I still believe it works. I still believe it is the only way. I still believe that it is the only way to have new life. It is the only way to escape the struggles and the trials of this present world. I wonder right now all across this place if we could begin to lift our hands towards heaven. If you would begin to ask the Lord to allow heaven to come into your life today. If you have never experienced what I am preaching to you about this morning. I want you to know that you can have it in this place right now. God can fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost right now. You can be baptized. We've got water. It might even be warm. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus. And your own life will stay in the water. Your old sicknesses. The things you fought and battled with your whole life it can stay in the water today if it's your desire to experience a little bit of that heaven that earnest the bible called it the interest of what is coming to us i want if you just begin to let that heavenly language flow through you if you've already received what i'm talking to you about i want if you begin to pray in that name if you begin to break down every wall every wall that is trying to hold back today 
God, would you let it break through in this room?